All righty. Hello to everyone on this weekend when we remember Dr. Martin Luther King. Many men, although I think his birthday is on the 15th, right? But today we are celebrating it, or we celebrate it tomorrow. Um, you know, it's hard to talk about what Dr. King means to you, because, like, I'm here, and all the marches and all the men, women, and particularly the children that had such incredible courage to fight injustice just comes to mind. The bombing at the, uh, at the church where the little girls died, watching the kids being sprayed with hoses and people being bitten by dogs, and to think that you know you 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 want and you look for a, such a time as this leader, but when you and you're grateful you have them, but when you think about the sacrifice that's required and their willingness to be present and knowing what they're going to go through, it's incredible. I thank God for his testimony. I thank God for his legacy. I feel like I'm a part, and we are a part of that legacy that we're a church here. That is fulfilling Dr. King's dream. Amen? Amen. And so in accordance, it kind of agrees my sermons, uh, to be talking about belonging because I view the I Have a Dream speech as a, as a speech about belonging. To validate uh, that we have not only rights, that's how we, um, we addressed it in the law, but we were seeking far more than that, far more than the right to live anywhere we wanted and ride on the front of a bus and vote, far more the right to be seen, the right to be a part of, the right to join and and be in this world with something bigger than ourselves that we join together in fulfilling. And I'm grateful for that. Amen? All right, now today is a new year. I need folks to smile at me because it encourages me. So everybody put on a smile. All right, that's helpful. And again, I'm going to encourage you. If I say something you agree with, you can just give me that old lady wave. You can say gone. The last time I preached, I was hearing stuff. I was like, oh, my God. Then I found out it was Robbie, so he <laughs> <It> don't count. <laughs> Amen. So we all want to belong, right? We want to have a group to call ours, to feel a part of. We want to be accepted, and we want our presence to be desired by others. That's a basic human need. It is part of our spiritual, our intellectual, our emotional, and our very physical being. We need, the need is built into our DNA as humans. The need to belong moves us. It causes us to act. We reach out. We may look like we're okay with being a loner. We may even say, I don't need any other people. I'm tired of people. I don't feel like being bothered. But all of that we know is a front. Well, there's something deeper we are, don't want to be bothered with. There's something truer about I'm tired of people because it's in the fake and the phony, it's in the disconnect that we're really saying we don't want to be bothered with. We want something real and something genuine to meet that need because you get to a point 
in your life at a certain age, you feel like I've been there, done that. I don't need to do that again. Uh, you may even, as a young person, have already experienced it through all the school stuff. I would never go back. <laughs> no. And so I have deep compassion for my high schoolers and early college years. We want to consider, we get to the point that we want to consider, you know, what's important now and why we exist, what's meaningful. And so we think about what gives meaning to our lives. We heard far too often people at the end of their lives saying how they wished they had done some things differently. And it usually goes, I wish I would have spent more time with. And it's usually a person. I never heard anybody say, I wish I would have spent more time with my computer. <laughs> Maybe somebody would have said, I wish I had spent more time gardening. But that's an inner peace thing. But the things, I wish I would have spent more time at work. I wish I would have built that widget thing. It's usually about people. I wish I would have spent more time with doing with their. It's basically it's saying, I wish I would have spent more time giving belonging to those from whom I receive belonging. We struggle with this notion of belonging because we mostly see it as something that others give to us, right? It's an external thing. But today, I'd like to submit for your consideration this, that to experience real belonging, more than just being a member of some group or being the cool kid in the group, because you can be the cool kid and just be just as lonely as well, right? More than just fitting in, to experience genuine belonging, we have to locate and accept ourselves so that we are able to participate in meeting our collective need for belonging. Simply being in some group, any group, may appease that need for a little while. It may soothe us, it may pacify us, but at what cost? I believe maturity, and there is no age requirement on acting in a mature way. So I'm not just talking about people who are older, because I've seen a lot of old people who are very young. Maturity requires that we ask ourselves, does my being in this or that group not only help me be a better person, but am I helping the group I'm in be a better group? And am I helping that group as it extends into the world make this world better? I have this belief that I was put here on the earth to make things better. It's not an arrogance. It's just a belief that God just doesn't waste God's time. And that my creation had its significance, as does yours. And we can, together, do incredible things that make the world a better place. And it's a form of honoring, honoring God and honoring one another, which may be a word we've forgotten. Honor that relationship, what you've put into me being here as your pastor, me honoring the time it takes for you to not just come out on Sunday, but to participate in your small groups and, and to do activities. And, and not just to do the thing, but to meet each other here and give each other the gift of our presence. 
So to anchor our conversation about being, belonging, I want to uh, introduce or reintroduce to you the tale of uh, Zacchaeus found in Luke 19. And to do this, instead of reading the scripture, I want to take us back. I found an animation that's just a minute and a half long that is based in the um, contemporary English scripture. And so let's do that. Jesus was going through Jericho, where a man named Zacchaeus lived. He was in charge of collecting taxes and was very rich. Jesus was heading his way, and Zacchaeus wanted to see what he was like. But Zacchaeus was a short man and could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. When Jesus got there, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I want to stay with you today. Zacchaeus hurried down and gladly welcomed Jesus. Everyone who saw this started grumbling. This man Zacchaeus is a sinner, and Jesus is going home to eat with him. Later that day, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, I will give half of my property to the poor, and I will now pay back four times as much to everyone I have ever cheated. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today, you and your family have been saved, because you are a true son of Abraham. The Son of Man came to look for and to save people who are lost. See, a minute and a half told the whole story. Um, let me share this. I want... Uh, to mix up how we present scripture and our teaching. Um, I don't believe it's just about me coming up here. So I'm looking for some folks who have a little acting bug in them that don't mind getting up in front of people. I'm not looking for you today. Stop worrying, everybody. Oh, don't call on me. Oh, God. Nope, nope, nope. But I just want to know who would like to do some things. And they would be like just short ways of presenting the scripture. It might involve us doing a little recording like after a service so we can play it the next service or following service or getting up and doing a skit or something. So, cause we want to keep it not boring. <laughs> not boring is important, right? So, um, I want to invite you to do that. Plus I just, I think being in Christ is supposed to be fun. And when we get together and talk about it, we should enjoy ourselves. And so I want to find creative ways to, uh, to, to create an environment of joy for us. Um, so, but today, um, I love the way that little animation ended. It ended with the words, today, I wrote them down somewhere. I'll look up here. Today, you and your family have been saved, for you belong to those of Abraham. Change the wording around a little bit, but just so we could get to, to the point. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the people who were lost. Um, I want us to look at this story because I believe it's a story of belonging. Um, some scholars call it a story of repentance, and repentance is a part of the story, but I feel like, you know, in our evangelical 
up, upraising. Um, a lot of times we have focused black church, straight evangelical white church. We have focused on repentance, repentance, repentance. Every story is about repentance. And I would like to challenge that. Because when we look at the nature of who God is, every story is actually about belonging and reestablishing belonging. And so when I look at this scripture, I have to look at the scripture through that, that lens. What is God saying about belonging, the nature of it, how it's acquired, how we as a community feel within it? And so if you remember earlier in my time here, I explained that uh, Genesis 3, uh, when it uses terms, uh, i got to catch it with myself, uh, I, I'm going to change up some terms uh, as, I, as I talk. In Genesis 3, the terms of separation, um, it, I don't even know what I wrote. Let me just say it. In Genesis 3, we talked about, you know how they call it the fall? But I call it the separation, right? That which deals in death and separates us from one another, okay? Um, so when we talk about sin or wrongdoing, that's what we're talking about. That which separates us from God, from ourselves, from one another. And so that which separates us, I, I say it deals in death. When we look at the story of Zacchaeus, I'm looking at it through what is he doing that is dealing in death and what is happening that brings life, okay, um, on belonging or restoration of belonging. So I want to use these two sentences to dive into Zacchaeus' story of belonging. Today, you and your family have been saved, for you belong to those of Abraham. And for the Son of Man came to seek and save people who are lost. So let's begin with this, though. Give a context for this story. This is Zacchaeus' situation. We all got a situation, right? This is Zacchaeus's. This story takes place in the town of Jericho. Now, Jericho was a major trade city because it was on the border. So people came internationally to trade there. Um, it's where uh, uh, the Herodian palace was, so where the government was seated. And it was a very fertile land in Judea. It was the most fertile land there. So taxes uh, needed to be collected from international trade, national trade, and just whatever other taxes that the government of Rome wanted to take, right? Therefore, there was lots of work for tax collectors and lots of opportunity to make money. Tax collectors were viewed um, as equal to Gentiles, meaning they were less, they were close to the bottom of the rung. They were no longer a part of being, uh, if they were, a part of being um, considered Jewish. Um, they were considered traitors because they were giving aid to the enemy, giving aid to the Jewish government, and they were getting rich in the process. Um, the response to being a tax collector... Uh, now, you could become rich without cheating people as a tax collector because you were allowed to tap on your earnings. The problem was they tapped on too much, so much that it was a burden to people. We can assume that because he was chief of the tax collectors, 
that he not only cheated himself getting there, but he created an institution that, that thrived on cheating people. Okay, he made his life in that way. And so he was despised. Pious Jews would never enter the home of a tax collector. It would bring shame on them. Eating at this table was out of the question because you assumed if he didn't follow the basic law and respect others, Jewish people, why would I go eat food that I'm not so sure he followed the law on and contaminate myself? Yet, also, why would I go and hang out with him and bring his shame upon myself? So he was outside, he was scorned, he was despised. But then Jesus comes into the picture. Here's the situation. The scripture says that he was a man of small stature. I tried every way to get around the word short that I could think of, because <laughs> I'm short, especially when I live with a six, seven boy. Um, and he hugs me like I'm his baby. Um, but, but given the time and the Mediterranean people, yeah, Mediterranean people, um, the scholars think he was less than five feet tall. Now, you are, you know, you grow up a person of small stature, you become a person who gets picked on, right? Um, some of us can testify. Uh, smallest person, next to my mom, smallest person in the house with a house full of boys. So you get shrimp, you get all kinds of stuff. So I can relate. Um, so here's this man who um, may have experienced some ostracism already in the course of his life. And there's an opportunity that comes for him to gain power, prestige, and privilege by becoming a tax collector. And he, according to scripture, he took full advantage of the opportunity that, before, that was before him. Some might call that capitalism, but... Um, we have this tale. So Jesus is coming, and this man wants to see. The polite thing to do would be people to move over. Excuse me. I'd like to see. Please excuse me. He was invisible. They were angry. They didn't like him. They didn't make room for him. They didn't bring an opportunity before him. I want to see. Who is this? Not just because he was small, but because he was the tax collector, and he was a Jewish tax collector on top of that. So, no, we don't have time for you. You shouldn't even be here. Let's just pretend you don't exist. So he couldn't see Jesus walking. This man who acquired all this prestige for himself, something about that day was different. Something about that day was special. This was this man coming to town, and whatever the stories were that he'd heard about Jesus, they touched him. They touched him enough to put down his prestige. He didn't call people who worked for him to go and open up a way, because you know tax collectors, man, they're like the mob. You don't pay, they come and take your stuff. So he had some guys, but he didn't use any of that that was available to him. Something inside of him made him want to respond right away when he heard that Jesus was coming. And instead of talking about who I am and you better move, he found another way and climbed a tree. He let go of all the, pres all the prestige and became vulnerable to the moment.
Now, I have to ask us how often that we're willing to become vulnerable to our moments, to let go of our pride, and to look less than what we want to look like to other people, you know? Especially me as an African-American woman. There's some things I won't do. One of them is, unless my husband is out of town for a long time, I'm not taking the trash out. <laughs> nope. I'm married to a white man. And I am not taking the trash out. And nobody's going to say about me, and is this ugly? I know, I'm just telling you the truth. And nobody's going to say that he married me and I'm his little you know, made doing stuff for him, and he, and I'm out here doing all the yard work, because I don't do yard work either. I'm doing all the yard work and then this for this white man. I'm not doing it. Besides, I'm spoiled. I had five brothers. I never had to do that stuff anyway. <laughs> so, but I have to talk to myself when he's out of town about that, because I'm concerned about what people will think about me in the context of this relationship. Can I be that honest? All right. So we have to think about the things that we're willing to do to let go, you know, to become vulnerable. Because this man wanted to see Jesus, and he didn't care what people think. In his fine attire, he climbed a tree. With all his prestige, he climbed a tree. So he could see this dude. Not that he wanted to talk to him. He went and climbed the tree. I just got to see him. Everybody's been talking about him. And in this act of vulnerability, he was met with a corresponding act of vulnerability. Here comes Jesus, and all the crowd is gathered to see him. You want to look good when everybody's looking, right? Head up high, walking, all right? But this is Jesus, right? And we don't think that that kind of stuff bothers him. And, and my, 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 my scripture says in Hebrews that we have a high priest who understands the very feeling of the things that we deal with. So those moments did come in his life where the scripture's lying, right? But yet and still, there was something greater for him. So he met Zacchaeus in his vulnerability with vulnerability and was bold about it. Hey, Zacchaeus, not only am I going to call your name and say, yo, because, you know, we'll try that. We'll do that, that little nod. Hopefully nobody saw it real quick and acknowledge somebody. Hey, we'll do that. He didn't do that. He didn't cut it short. So he could kind of save face but still hold a friendship or, or, or an association. No, he said, hey, come down. I want to spend time with you. And when he said that, everybody's looking. You saw it in the little film. How dare this man? We out here to see him. We're giving him honor. And he's going to not talk to me? And he's going to talk to that? Right? So it could have lowered his prestige, lowered Jesus' ability to minister to people. But he did it anyway. Could have messed up his connections. People could have started thinking that he was, you know, Zacchaeus is a rich man, so of course he's going to go see the rich man because he needs some money. Of course your pastor is going to hang out with some rich people. And excuses might be, you know, I'm going to hang out over here and not tell them about themselves so I can get a little cash so we can do something righteous. Because that temptation is there. Okay? But he called them out. By name. 
said, I need to spend time with you. And then he walked into the man's house. Now, if your neighborhood, if his neighborhood was like my neighborhood, growing up, it only took about five or ten minutes before everybody knew what the deal was. Right? And so everybody knew what Jesus had just done, and he stayed in the house. He didn't make a quick visit. He stayed. He stayed long enough and opened himself up in a way that we have this report of Zacchaeus. I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. And if I cheated anybody, I'm not just going to give it back. I'm going to give them more. Hmm. You know, Brene Brown, um, she is a researcher out of the University of Houston, and she's had... TED Talks and all kinds of books and stuff, and a lot of folks around here have heard of her, right? I know, she she good. Um, she's done a bunch of talks and written books and done studies on empathy, which has led her to talk about vulnerability, courage, belonging, and so much more. And uh, I want to just preview that in a couple of months. We're going to do a small special group on some of her writings to talk together about, okay? So that's coming up. Um, Melissa's going to lead that. But first, Melissa's going to do something on meditation for about eight weeks. So look for that. It's coming. Um, but Renee, because I feel like I know her, <laughs> says, people who have the deepest sense of true belonging are people who also have the courage to stand alone when called to do it, to do that. They're willing to maintain their integrity and risk disconnection in order to stand up for what they believe in. And we expect to have that in Jesus, you know? But we expect it because, you know, he was God. We say stuff like that, right? But the last time I was before you, I said, remember, we have to let Jesus be human because he had only available to him. He chose only to access what's available to us. He limited himself. Okay. Jesus refused to bend or submit to the cultural demands of the situation. In truth, there were many, there were so many divisions amongst the Jews at the time that the things that united them were were who they hated. They hated the Romans and they hated Roman sympathizers, right? And Dr. Brown calls that common enemy intimacy. And we've been watching that uh, at our Thanksgiving and Christmas tables, right? And uh, on the television and in the news. This was the nature of things with Zacchaeus, but Jesus was not about simply fitting in or having the Jews accept him and his ministry on their terms. Jesus sought then and is still seeking a deeper connection with people. So Jesus did the things which created connection. He saw Z. I called him Z in my notes. He saw Zacchaeus. You know, I know him too, so he's Z. Um, he acknowledged his personhood. He took time to enter his home. He shared conversation over a meal. The feeling that connected Z created this response. And it created a response in him to offer connection back to Jesus as well. I see the poor. 
he said, I see their personhood and I want to meet their needs. This was from Zacchaeus. I see those I cheated, that I was dealing in death and separation, and, I'll now, and I will now have life-giving engagement with them. Look at the depth of his response to belonging. Half of what he owned. This was, you know, you say, okay, I'm going to give half of what he owned. He was really rich, so he didn't miss it. Right? But he understood how his actions had impoverished people his group, his tribe, his nation. And those he cheated, he said he was going to give back what he took. It, it kind of goes like this, okay? So I get this job as tax collector. We'd be bopping down the road together, common things, right? I get this job as tax collector, and I start cheating, right? And this is what my cheating does. My cheating throws you back, and it throws me ahead, right? And Zacchaeus said this. If I've cheated anyone, this is a distance, and I'm not only just going to give them what I took, because I can give them what I took, and if I give the poor half of my stuff, I'm still way ahead. So I'm going to do this thing that brings us closer together and give them even more, because there's an understanding with belonging, because when I really belong, when you really belong to me, I'm concerned about how you're doing. So I'm going to not let you not have food on your table. When I'm really concerned about you, I need to know that you have the medication you need to function daily. When I'm really concerned, I bring my need before you. Not in a way to get over on you, but to share the reality of my existence. I'm doing this. And I can do stuff with a lot less, but this thing right here. This thing right here, how do I get my kid to college when I can't pay the final bill? When I can't pay the final bill. And they're looking at graduation full of expectancy and I ain't got it. And belonging said, we do. Belonging is a heartfelt concern for what's happening. It is the love my, your neighbor as yourself, belonging, makes us think about those things. And Z had such a response, an incredible response to what happened. It wasn't days because he already knew what he'd done wrong. But the response was, let me make this right. Let me bring not only myself back into belonging, but let me bring those who've been outcast by poverty back into belonging as well. Let me bring those who've been cheated and the anger that they feel. Let me bring their, their socioeconomic situation back to belonging so that we become we, and it's not them, the tax collectors, and us. And he said to, to Z, today, can we go back to that one? Today, Salvation has come to your house today. It wasn't today you were going to heaven. Because we think of salvation in terms of going to heaven. And that was not the pronouncement over, over his life. He said salvation came. Why? Because you belong. You are acting as someone who belongs to this community of faith. You are acting as someone who belongs to this people. 
You are caring and giving and supporting and accepting. And today, salvation has come to your house. And I've done what I'm supposed to do. For the Son of Man has come to seek people in your situation. To seek people who are experiencing the separation that you're experiencing. To not be ashamed because you're experiencing these things. You're in this situation. And a lot of times we're in that situation by our own doing, right? But it comes to save people who are lost because Zacchaeus was lost to himself. He was lost to his God and he was lost to his people. And we've been there, lost in all those many ways and felt lost and felt alone. And in the moment when that moment, when God touched him, something new was coming. I can have a new experience with God. There might be an opportunity. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to put myself in the position for the thing. Whatever it is, and if that means I got to climb a doggone tree in my nice $500 suit, I'm going to climb that tree because I want more. What I have is not satisfying. What I gave up to be a tax collector cost me too much. It's cost me separation from everything I know. And we tickets are put up before you and I every day on what we'll sell out on for all the good reasons. But righteousness, being in a righteous relationship with another person demands a different kind of response, a more thoughtful response, a response that goes back to those questions. Will this make me a better person in the world? How will I contribute to this group I belong to? And will I inspire this group to be bigger than itself? Because we all want to live and be and do things that are bigger than ourselves to be a part of a movement that can change the world. And I believe that that's possible. I tell people, I've seen the kingdom of God. I've touched incredible things and it happened in such strange ways. I couldn't plot it. Lord, I wish I could because I'd be like a millionaire or something. I don't know. But it's in the positioning of yourself, climbing our trees. That we position ourselves to receive. We have to ask the question as a congregation. When many of us have expressed to me their feeling of not belonging, how we need to position ourselves anew. Because it's not so much in the thing. Things are beautiful but they give opportunities. They're only opportunities and tools for connecting. And we have to deal with the realities that sometimes we don't climb the tree because we're afraid people are going to already reject us. And sometimes I think that's the biggest issue we have, the fear of being rejected first. So I don't want to act like I want you till you act like you want me. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was up with, I'm just going to be honest with it. And roll with it. You see, he is our model. Jesus is not the only one who sent, who came to seek and save the lost, save those who are without belonging. You and I, as believers, are now the people 
who are out seeking the loss. But we get in trouble with that seeking when we haven't dealt with our own issues, when we haven't dealt with the things in our lives that keep us separate, when we haven't dealt with our egos. I am the only person in my family who graduated from college, went on, got a master's degree. My mom and daddy did not do that for me to make like $17,000 a year. That's the first job I had. You know, their responsibility. So how do I measure the responsibility to one community or the other? I went and worked with kids in the community, 17G. It's okay. Because then, you know, another opportunity came that, you know, put my job in the 50s. I was like, yay. Because God, I believe, saw and blessed. And I'd rather have the blessing that comes that way than when people tried to buy me. Because it's through the relationships. Listen, I, am, I would rather not be seen. I would rather be in the background. I like being number two. But seeking, participating in the seeking, the saving. When I left Boston, I worked for um, Black Ministerial Alliance. We had, like, we had a bunch of money. But it allowed me to go into a bunch of organizations and meet people and talk to them and do that belonging thing. And when I left town, I thought, okay, that's it, it's over. You know, bye, thank you, great. And they did not let me leave without a citywide party. I was floored. I just looked at my super, I was like, yeah, no. She's like, yes, people have called me. They're like, what are we doing? That sense of belonging and the blessing that it is and blessing me into my life, blessing my self-esteem for the next things the Lord would call me to, to say, yeah, I can do this. Because Gabriel and I were talking uh, Friday. There's a scripture that says, occupy until the Lord comes. Familiar with that scripture? I'm sorry, I didn't look it up before now, but we're talking. What we have on the ground are, are square corporate, and we put all the squares together, right? This is what that scripture means to me. I am this square, right? My job is to fill out this square in all its beauty, all its color, all its royalty, to be sturdy and stable, and to completely go from edge to edge with my life and fill it out. So that when my life connects with another person, it fills out, and you get this whole flow of carpet and connection that's purposeful, that's joyful, that's meaningful. We are each supposed to occupy, to fill our space, to fill this world space that God has given us with the beauty of what God has placed in us. And it is the flow that comes from connection that blesses. I work better in an environment when people love me than I do in a place where I'm going to show that person that I can. I can do that thing, but I'm miserable. But when I'm in a environment where people are encouraging and supporting, oh my gosh, the stuff that happens. That's what we want to be. This is the lesson. So this is the biblical and theological lesson about belonging. Our next lessons are going to talk about practicals. We're going to look at what we've defined in terms of our belonging, from our values, from being anti-racist and inclusive, from looking at what it means to have a purpose-filled life that satisfies. We're going to look at those things in the weeks coming as we deal with belonging because it's so vital. And I don't ever want anyone to walk in this space and not know that there's room for them. 
Not just to be here and be quiet, but to be here and be fully known and to know and to know their value and their worth. But it comes from us dealing with ours so we can be open to receive from them. And so we're going to deal with ours too, to talk about belonging. Amen? That sound good? Sound all right? I get the serious looks from y'all. Y'all go, mm. So I'm going to turn y'all Southern, Southern Baptist, well, not Southern Baptist, but location, USA Southern church folk. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Glory to God. 